Will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Luke 5, 15, and 16. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and pray. Let us pray. God, we come before you thankful for your word that reminds us to find rest in your presence. Just as you withdrew to quiet places to pray, continue to speak to our hearts this morning in your name. Amen. Thanks, Shannon. I love this church. I love that I got to spend yesterday evening crawling around the boiler room looking for all the different pumps for the baptistry. Uh, I love stools that float around. I love the fact that we have a church that applauds when we baptize somebody. I love that we get to take communion off a table that was handmade by one of our members. I love this church. Just as a reminder, next week, seven days from today, we're going to take this whole kit and caboodle, this worship service, we're going to be right outside those windows under the big old trees in our courtyard. It's one of my favorite services of the year. I'm guessing Drew's going to bust out a banjo if he loves me and wants me to be happy. Um, Immediately... After the service, we're going to have a community barbecue. Uh, you'll be smelling the barbecue the entire service. Uh, Baptist incense, as someone called it recently. It is going to be an awesome day. The good news is, if the weather doesn't cooperate, God also gave us this amazing room and a fellowship hall, so the show will go on. Uh, today, we find ourselves the last week of a quick three-week sermon series in which we are exploring some basic foundational spiritual disciplines. The idea being we want to, to give ourselves tools so that as we love and serve our community, we're not doing so from, from an empty place. We're doing so from the outflow, the overflow of the Holy Spirit of Christ in our lives. Two weeks ago, we explored the spiritual discipline of prayer, the shocking reality that we have the ability to intimately converse and communicate with the creator of the universe. Last week, we looked at spiritual discipline of scripture study, The equally shocking reality that in our hands, we hold the living, breathing word of that same creator. And and through these spiritual disciplines is we enact prayer and scripture study into the rhythms of our life. It, It allows us to know the mind and heart of our heavenly father to align our will with his will to continually be filled with Jesus Christ so that we might love and serve from that overflow. Now today we want to spend a little bit of time talking about the spiritual discipline of Sabbath. 
We're going to break down some of the, the common myths that surround the idea of Sabbath. But before we do that, we need to kind of backtrack a little bit, make sure we all understand exactly what Sabbath is. The word itself means rest. Now, now our physical bodies, modern medicine will tell us, need seven to nine hours of continuous sleep in order to function to our full capacity. I can already see the looks in your eyes. Not many of us are getting those seven to nine hours. Now, when we don't, what we find is it tends to lead to uh, fatigue, even impaired short-term memory, lack of motivation, depression. Science goes on to tell us that extended periods, long-term sleep deprivation is actually linked to some pretty serious physical ailments. Um, in, increased risk of stroke and diabetes and high blood pressure and on and on and on. God designed our physical bodies to need sleep to function properly. It forces us to slow down so that, so that our bodies, our minds can be renewed and replenished and recharged. It's kind of a fail-safe fail that God put into our humanity. Now, as God designed our physical bodies to need that rest, he designed our spirits, our eternal souls to need rest as well. He also put in a fail-safe, a vehicle for that soul rest, and that's called Sabbath, Sabbath rest. It's not simply laying on the couch watching Netflix or, or dozing off to some random golf tournament that you care nothing about. It is a deep spiritual soul rest. We first find it in Exodus chapter 20. See, in the Old Testament, God recognized this was so important that he actually made it law. It was the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He goes on to say, you are to labor six days, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy." Old Testament law, fourth commandment, we are commanded to set aside a day of Sabbath. And, and the Lord connects it directly to creation. Genesis chapter 2. On the seventh day, the Lord rested and he declared that day holy. The Lord commands Sabbath rest so that we can recognize and remember and worship him as the creator. Now Moses reminds the people of Israel of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy. Again, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Deuteronomy chapter 5. But this time, there's a little bit more insight. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15. 
Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. He connects it to creation, remembering who he is and what he did as our creator. He connects it to our freedom from slavery. We see throughout the Old Testament that the Sabbath day is a holy day. It's a day for specific sacrifices and worship services. It is a time to celebrate and to remember the Lord. Now, now you have to keep in mind that in the ancient Near East, people literally had to work to live. So setting aside one day to not work was, was to remember who God is, to stop thinking about your work and begin thinking about his work, to remind yourself and celebrate that he is God and you are not. Now, the Pharisees, these religious elite rabbis and scholars that we've become so familiar with. We all know that the Pharisees loved more than anything else to go far beyond the laws of God. And and the law of remembering the Sabbath day was no exception. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees had added over 600 interpretations just of the word work in regards to the Sabbath. There were 39 sections of laws specifically dedicated to work that was forbidden on the Sabbath. You see, these Pharisees that prided themselves on on righteousness, that prided themselves on piousness, that prided themselves on worthiness, you know, their thought process is kind of, okay, if if God wants us to set aside the Sabbath and keep it holy, we're going to... We're going to keep it holy so hard his head is going to spin. It's going to be the holiest thing we've ever done. And so they added all of these things to the Sabbath to define what it meant to set that day aside. In Luke chapter 6, just one chapter beyond where Shannon read for us this morning, we see Jesus in one of his many confrontations with the Pharisees. And specifically in the sixth chapter of Luke, he's clashing with the Pharisees over what the Sabbath truly means. Turn with me to Luke chapter six, and let's read these first five verses. On a Sabbath, he, Jesus, passed through the grain fields. His disciples were picking heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating them. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So just to set the scene, Jesus has spent the first five chapters of the Gospel of Luke establishing his authority. He's been baptized. He's been affirmed by God as his one and only son. He's called his disciples. Jesus has proven his authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick to forgive sins. As he's walking from town to town, the crowds are getting bigger and they're following him. And here we see in Luke chapter six, they're, they're, they're walking from town to town and walking through a grain field. As his disciples are following behind them, he's, he's, they're picking little heads of grain. They're tiny, 
You'd have to pick 30 heads of grain to equal one ounce. We're not talking about difficult labor here. They would pick the heads of grain, put them in their hands, rub their hands together. And and doing that, it separates the soft grain from the hard husk. And they would eat the soft grain. Now, not many of us are Old Testament Jewish scholars. So just to give you context as to why they were doing this, it's because they were hungry and it was good. (laughs) There is nothing incredibly complicated about what was going on in this picture. But the Pharisees see them and say, hey, Jesus, your boys, they're, they're violating so many laws of the Sabbath. You see, that simple action of plucking heads of grain, putting them in your hand, rubbing them together, and eating the soft grain inside violated at least five different forbidden categories of work. They were reaping, they were gathering, they were threshing, they were winnowing, and they were sorting, all of which forbidden on the Sabbath. The Pharisees had elevated not working to that level. You see, the Pharisees had taken this thing that God designed for rest and for joy and for worship and for celebration, and they had made it burdensome. So many of us are so guilty of the same thing. My sweet, wonderful, small-town North Georgia grandmother, Mamaw, Many of y'all grew up with a mammal. Mammal had very specific ideas of what it meant to observe the Sabbath. My dad and his two brothers knew that on Sunday morning, they would wake up, they would bathe, they would put on their Sunday best because it wasn't the Sabbath unless you wore your Sunday best. Why is that so funny? <laughs> they, would, they would go to church that day When they came home, they would not watch movies because movies were forbidden on the Sabbath. You could watch them during the week, but you couldn't watch movies on Sunday. You could watch football, but you couldn't watch movies. (laughs) They knew that Mama and Papa, who loved playing canasta with their friends, would never do it on a Sunday because cards were forbidden on the Sabbath. If you asked Mama, she would have no idea where these rules came from, but in her mind, observing the Sabbath meant all the things that you didn't do. You could do these things on other days, but you don't do them today. It's the exact same view the Pharisees had of the Sabbath. It's this, it's this idea that if I'm going to observe the Sabbath and I'm going to keep it holy, I'm going to forbid myself from doing all of these things, and that will show God how faithful I am to him. So back to Luke chapter 6. Jesus responds to these Pharisees. Jesus answered them. Haven't you read what David and those who were with him did when he was hungry? How he entered the house of God and took and ate bread, ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. He even gave some of, to those who were with him. 
Then Jesus told the Pharisees, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus tells the Pharisees, sarcastically, haven't you read... Now, keep in mind, these Pharisees prided themselves on knowing every letter of the law by heart. Of course, they had read. This is a passage out of 1 Samuel chapter 21. And Jesus says, remember, Pharisees, King David, he went into the temple. He went into this place, he and his men, and they were hungry and they needed sustenance. And there was the bread of the presence, which is set aside only for the priests, But he ate that bread and he gave it to his men. And if King David is able to do a work of mercy, how much more so is King Jesus? Because I, King Jesus, the son of man, am Lord of the Sabbath. With those words, Jesus reclaims what it means to have true Sabbath rest. Jesus reclaims God's original design. Jesus reclaims God's promise that your soul might find rest. You see, in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes that, that all of God's promises find their yes in Jesus. Gosh, what a beautiful verse. And God promises soul rest, Sabbath rest. And Jesus says, you find that rest in me. Famously, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come all who are weary and burdened, come to me and I might give you rest. The rest he is talking about is not a day off of work. The rest he is talking about is rest for your weary and burdened soul. Rest for your spirit. You see, true Sabbath rest is not the type of rest that you get by just setting aside a day and not playing canasta. True Sabbath rest can only be found in the rest giver, Jesus himself. So many of us, when we hear the word Sabbath, we think what it means to take a Sabbath, what it means to observe a Sabbath is to follow these rules so that we might please God. But Sabbath is not about satisfying God. Sabbath is about finding your satisfaction in God. We see it in the life and the rhythms of Jesus himself. Jesus continually would withdraw to a quiet place to be alone with his father. That's what we see in Luke chapter 5 in these verses that Shannon read for us this morning. Look back with me to Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Jesus has been walking around. He has been going village to village. He has been casting out demons. He has been healing the sick. He's been performing miracles. He's been forgiving sins. The crowds are getting bigger. The crowds continue to follow him everywhere he goes. Here in chapter 5, we see Jesus. He's just healed a leper. 
Verse 15. But the news about him spread. Even more. And large crowds would come together and hear him. They would come to be healed of their sickness. Verse 16. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. This is Jesus observing Sabbath. This is what it looked like in his life to to withdraw, to get away from the crowds, to be alone with his father, to be in intimate relationship with his father. He did it in his own life and he encouraged and demanded it in the lives of his followers. Turn with me just a couple of chapters over to Luke chapter 9. Jesus has just sent out his disciples. He's just sent out the 12. And he sends them to proclaim the kingdom of God. He sends them to to cast out demons, to heal the sick into the towns and villages around. And in chapter 9, verse 10, we see as Jesus receives his apostles on their return. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus all that they had done. He took them along and withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. His disciples went out and they spent time in the towns and villages, proclaiming the name of Christ, proclaiming the kingdom of God, healing the sick, casting out demons. And when they came back, We don't see Jesus holding a staff meeting. We don't see Jesus strategizing next steps, collecting the communication cards and handing out who's going to send the other person the emails. How can we follow up on all these stories that we heard? No, Jesus recognizes that his disciples are spiritually, physically, mentally depleted. They are drained. And so when they come back, he immediately takes them somewhere quiet where they could withdraw, where they could find soul Sabbath rest, where they could find intimacy with him. Sabbath is not about satisfying God. It's about finding satisfaction in God. And I know what you guys are thinking. This brings us to this second Sabbath myth. You're thinking, Hannah, this is... This is good. I like this. I like where your head is. But ain't nobody got time for that. I'd love to have that kind of rest. I'd love to have that kind of intimacy. I'd love to be able to withdraw to deserted places. I'm way too busy. Between work and the kids. I live in the real world and I live a real life. I don't have time for this. We, as Americans, are way too busy. And we love it. You know, in in 2019, when that classic question is asked, hey, Ben, how are you doing? The answer is no longer fine. The most common answer now is busy. And we act like it's such a burden, 
but we wear it as a badge of honor. Oh, man, busy. Because the busier I am, the more important I am. The more stuff on my calendar, the more things I have to do, the more the world needs me, right? We love our busyness. Yet how many people do we know that are moments away from falling apart? Now, maybe not at this exact time. Maybe everything's okay right now because all of the idols are getting fed. The classic American idols of, of success, stability, pleasure, our kids' happiness, Today, all of that's okay. Today, I'm fine. But those idols that demand our busyness are never satiated. They're never full and they're never fulfilling. And this is not a new concept. If you think this is the product of modern American culture, I would implore you to go back to the Old Testament and read the book of Ecclesiastes. King Solomon, widely recognized as one of the richest and wisest men of all time, wrote an entire book that says this. I spend my life pursuing riches and pleasure. And it's like chasing the wind. It never fills me up. You see, these, these idols of, of success, of physical health, of happiness, of security, of pleasure, They're all founded on the one great idol that lies underneath, and that's the idol of control. We just can't give it up. We sit here and we say, I would love to find rest, but I can't. I'm way too busy. Hear me say this. Inability to find Sabbath Rest is not about you and your responsibilities. It is about you and your limited view of God. Inability to find Sabbath rest because we are too busy is all about us looking at the creator of the universe and saying, thank you for everything you've done. I live in the real world and I've got things I have to take care of. I'll find time with you someday. It is about an inability to give up control because we are convinced we are the only ones that can take care of our needs. When we say to the world, we are too busy, 
What we say to the world is our God is too small. But we here at the church at Lachlan Springs will prize and value and model rest because we want to tell the world the truth about our God. Now, our Sabbath rest is not going to look the same for everyone. Because each of us are intentionally and uniquely knit together. For my wife, a perfect Sabbath rest begins with her toes in the sand and the rhythmic sound of the surf on the beach. It is in that place that her soul opens up to her creator. It is in that place that she can find true intimacy, true Sabbath. Now that same sand that triggers her Sabbath gets in every crevice of my body. (laughs) Crevices I didn't know existed. That same rhythmic tide reminds me that there's a decent chance one of my kids is drowning. The sun just gets the sunscreen in my eyes and turns my lily white skin a shade of pink that I know I'm not going to be happy about tomorrow. The beach is all right, but it's not where my Sabbath happens. I stand before you a man that cannot sit still for five minutes, but if you put me on a mountainside and let me feel a cool breeze, I can look at the mountain peaks for days on end and never move. That is where God speaks to me. Now, hear me say this. Nick and I can't always get to the beach and we can't always get to the mountains. Sometimes our Sabbath looks like taking a walk around the neighborhood. Sometimes our Sabbath looks like retreating to the back room and curling up with a cup of coffee. Sabbath is all about determining who you are, how God knit you together and finding those things that stir your affections for the Lord. There are commonalities. Sabbath rest, like it or not, is scheduled. It's consistent. And more than anything, it's intentional. Sabbath rest is not about collapsing at the end of the day and putting your kids in front of a screen somewhere so that you can turn your brain off. That's rest and it's necessary. That's not Sabbath. Sabbath rest is about intentionally finding time to be with the Lord so that we can be reminded of him as our creator so that we can celebrate what he has done, so that we can celebrate our freedom from slavery. Slavery to work, slavery to success, slavery slavery to popularity, slavery to good works, slavery to ministry, slavery to proving ourselves worthy, 
Slavery to the burden of religion. And maybe most of all, slavery to guilt. That, that felt guilt, that thing inside us that tells us that we are wrong. Not that we've done wrong, but that we ourselves are wrong. That is the earthly burden of our sin. There is nothing we as people can do to alleviate it. It's like chasing the wind. But that sin that plagues our conscience, that sin that demands an answer, it has been answered in the form of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, his resurrection on that third day not only relieves us of the eternal burden of sin, but it relieves us of the earthly burden of sin, which is crippling slavery and suffocating guilt. It is in remembering and recognizing and observing intentional Sabbath rest that allows us to stop focusing on our own work and focusing on the Lord's work in his son, Jesus Christ, that allows us to celebrate our freedom from slavery. It's that work in Jesus Christ that this morning we get to remember not only in our focus on Sabbath rest, but in the receiving of the communion elements. In just a couple of minutes, the deacons are going to come forward. And they're going to take these plates and they're going to pass out the elements. You'll receive two at the same time. As you receive those elements, I want you to hold on to them for a minute. And I want you to spend a moment communing with your creator. Spend a moment allowing yourself to be reminded of who he is and who you are. Of the work of his son Jesus on the cross and of the empty tomb that allows us to be free. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are humbled and amazed by your presence with us in this place this morning. We are grateful beyond words and beyond measure. for the ability to communicate directly with you, our creator, for the ability to hold in our hands and study daily your living, breathing word. And for the promise of true soul Sabbath rest that is fulfilled in your son. We pray these things in his name. Amen.